Hey, Crowded House is actually coming to Toronto, isn't it? It's going to play the, uh, I don't know what beer label it is anymore, but the amphitheater. Is it the Budweiser stage? May Man, and Joe, you're already going. I'm going. May 27. Oh, man. I wonder if there are any tickets left. I, oh, man. I went to a Neil Finn concert. That's how much I like Crowded House. I just went to a concert where he was performing by himself. Uh, 620, not sure if Tim Hudak is a Crowded House fan, uh, but he joins us now on the Morning Brief. Good morning. Yeah, morning, John. Where I, I was never really that much into Crowded House. I, I wouldn't say no. Look, if you're going to take me, you know, Debbie, to the, the concert, I'm all with it, John. But uh, not a big fan. Well, we can't talk anymore. What was the soundtrack of your life? Because you're younger than I am. I'm Smith's guy, hardcore man. Anything by the Smiths, uh, Morrissey, Cure is up there too. I, I like the alternative. Crowded House is just a little too soft and poppy. Uh, it just it was not my thing. All right, Smith's guy, you can stay. Uh, so. Let's start with the school board issue, and the education minister has announced some reforms, but I wanted to poll you on the uh, question as to whether you would support the idea of actually abolishing boards. Now, your girls go to Catholic school, don't they? So you might probably still want Catholic schools. I'd want choice. Look, I was uh, for abolishing school boards before it was cool. Okay. It is the <laughs> it is ineffectual. It is they often are cowardly. They are truly powerless. They are uh, want to chase shiny baubles instead of focusing on children's education. A lot of people parked on payroll, and I'm not sure we exactly need that. Could go to teachers uh, in the classroom. Look, there as the expression goes, they're neither feast nor fowl. In my time in in public life, they've gone from being pretty independent, collecting taxes, doing the bargaining, allocating uh, capital, and having a lot of free movement to, to really being handcuffed. They don't collect taxes truly anymore. It's done at a provincial uh, level and then spread around. They certainly don't do any consequential bargaining. But we still get strikes and work to rule on minor things, and I don't see the leadership there. I think we'd be far better served in abolishing school boards altogether, maintaining some choice in the school so there's some competition, but boy, it is the worst form of government. Now, uh, the good news, John, I, I don't understand this was talked about uh, in the uh, in the halls of the, the Ford government. They ultimately chose not to go that way and do a reform bill instead. It's a step in the right direction. But, man, I, I swear, John, in our time, I hope, doing the, the morning brief, we will see an end of school boards. Okay. I mean, I would go for it. I, there's just something so arcane about them. And I guess when they were first created, it was about having local authority. It was about parents having input. It was about the fact that Queen's Park is in Toronto and you might be in Sudbury trying to run a, a handful of schools. We don't need that anymore. It's completely, it's, it's redundant. It absolutely is. And that, that original core now has been shifted largely to the provincial level, and they're caught in this netherworld where they really have no power, and they continually to get in trouble with parents, with the public and, and the media, and also with the Ministry of Education. I think their day is past its best before date. There's a shakeup coming to federal ridings, and the impact in Toronto is we're actually going to lose a riding, which doesn't make a great deal of sense to me since we're, you know, our population is going up. Why would we have less ridings? I, I mean, I'll never get over the fact that PEI has four ridings. Yeah, but our, our population within Toronto is not going up at the same rate as population in the in the GTA, and as such, you lose a seat. I, I think we actually have a good system here. I've been through it many times. Like, 
Provincially, we now copy the federal ridings. This will impact the provincial level. The city ridings reflect those boundaries as well. So I think council's protesting, John, is more so about protecting the number of seats at council rather than losing one and facing competition. I think that's at the core of this. But look, when I, I was elected in 1995 in the riding of Niagara South, I went through, I think, three redistributions. And by the end, John, my riding of Niagara West Glenbrook did not have one inch of soil that I originally represented. Now, mind you, that helped me get reelected because I kept moving before they tossed me out. <laughs> but it's a fact of the matter. You look at you know where the population uh, is growing. You do make extra room for northern Ontario and rural areas. Their average population is lower. Seats are set out across Canada, the Constitution Act, so that you do have some balance between large provinces and smaller. It's done at arm's length. There's very little of any political influence in this process. And then the numbers spit out the reality. And Toronto actually had a smaller riding on average than the rest of the province. This just reconciles it. Um, Countries getting ready for a civil service strike. I don't know if anybody's even going to notice. Uh, it's hard to think of a, a union more out of touch, and there are a number of them on the public service side uh, than than the federal union that delivers programs like our uh, our passports, immigration policy. Look, I, I, you do feel it. So, for for to stand up against a strike, you've got to have a, an air war about holding back on the spending. I think there's a lot of public sympathy for a government that actually stand up to the federal public servants because they had it pretty easy during the pandemic compared to most. Their numbers actually grew. I was incredulous, John talking to friends of mine who work at customs at the border and they told me a number of them are working from home i I can't understand they have binoculars checking out the peace bridge waving cars through with flags like how is that possible and then demand a significant pay increase on top of that shows how out of touch you do notice it at a provincial level when it's education hospitals health care absolutely so unions have some strength you would notice it at a city level collection of garbage parks and services so unions would have some strength a national level our taxes are delayed or maybe you know it's hard to get a bad passport once in a while. I hope the federal government stands up to them. A new study investigating why girls tend to drop out of sport found out the prime motivator was they don't like the uniforms they have to wear while they're doing sport. And I've never quite understood. I mean, even non-sporting uniforms. Tim, I have lunch in the window of a restaurant on Young Street um, a couple of times a week, and we look out, and the kids from a private school that is around the corner are always going by. And the girls are wearing these you know, skirts that are so short, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how they keep their legs warm in winter. <laughs> well, you, you need the nuns back to make them kneel down. <laughs> to break out touches. the rulers, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, but uh, the sport question, I got a lot of sympathy here. Like, um, I played a lot of sports in high school. It's never good enough to play outside of high school sports, but I remember being self-conscious. I wore a, a T-shirt under my basketball uniform, just like Patrick Ewing, because I was thinking my shoulders weren't broad enough, made me look a, a little bigger. I cannot imagine you're trying to perform in sports, and you got to you know squeeze yourself into one of those bikini bottoms like they have to do in beach volleyball or those awful tightly fitting gymnast uniforms that look like from the a bygone era for for women I'm totally sympathetic uniforms should be drawn up so they maximize performance not sexuality it's amazing we still have these things in some of our sports particularly at elite levels you know i'm, I'm battling an issue 
of my own on this, I'd say. You mentioned my, my daughter Miller goes to Loretto Catholic, and, and Miller was going to try out for the for the baseball team. She and about a couple of buddies proud of her she was going to try out. And uh, and then she came home that day and I said, why didn't you try out for the team? She said, well, we actually had to hop on a bus, had to head up you know, considerably north on public transportation on their own just to practice. Every one of their games is a road game. The reason? There's been no investment in their field. It's a, like it's a war zone. So I'm actually got elected chair of the parent council. I looked in this matter. The all boys schools, John, all boys schools in Toronto Catholic look like they're you know college campuses fit with all these facilities. The girls schools remnants of the 1940s and 50s when girls are treated as second class citizens. This is a significant issue. Investing in recreation means greater leadership, self discipline, confidence. We do treat girls like second class citizens. It's time to stop it. Um, so, uh, getting to work on a boat, not necessarily just work, but uh, being able to, for example, the, the example I keep citing would be that you could go down to the beach and jump on a motorboat and get to Spadina. Uh, the city is open an investigation to see whether or not this makes sense. Does it? Yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I, I think we can go further, but I'll tell you where I do draw the line. I lived in Seattle for a couple of years, and you know, there's a remarkable ferry system there that did the short-term commutes to sort of sea buses from you know dock to dock across the city and brought in a significant number of people by ferry to the office. I mean, I, I think if you could do this across the lake as well, I would go that grand, whether that's uh, Oakville or Burlington, you know, across from Niagara, take cars off the roadway, give that option i like this idea of actually traversing the lake and saving time i will draw the line however john at the hovercraft now they announced a new hovercraft to go from st Catharines across uh, to uh, downtown toronto so it's taking a half hour to get across a lake instead of a two and a half hour drive i will tell you i've seen this one before in the um, when al paladini was transportation minister they launched the hovercraft he was on the inaugural run the hovercraft got swamped. The minister on it, media on it, terrible publicity. It didn't last a day. It's not like Star Wars. Stay away from the hovercraft. Invest in ferries and sea buses. I'm all for it. Well, I was all excited about the hovercraft because, you know, I mean, you more than anyone would know how long it takes to get to Niagara. And, uh, you know, every summer I make my pilgrimage to the Shaw Festival and I prefer to leave the car at home. Yeah, it sounds good, right? Take uh, do a ferry, uh, uh, the boat, not the hovercraft. It gets a little choppy out there. Paladini got swamped uh, by it. Uh, uh, it's it is, you know, as we like to mock the monorail land. The hovercraft is the monorail <laughs> of the sea. Thanks a lot, sir. Good to have you. Have a great day, Tim Huda.